2: Hello, fellow people. This is Ben and Drew with Wannabe Walk-Ons, and we wanted to take a quick break from
1: talking football to talk to you about Teammates. Teammates is a mentoring program founded by Dr. Tom Osborne. You might have heard of him Uh, and his wife, Nancy Osborne. Since its inception in 1991, Teammates has aimed to positively impact the world by helping and inspiring students to reach their full potential through mentoring.
2: While mentoring may sound intimidating, the Teammates model makes it easy for mentors to have a positive impact. You don't have to be an expert to
1: mentor a student. You just have to be there. Mentors and mentees meet in school during the day for about 30 minutes once a week to play a board game, work on a craft, or to just talk. Any kid as young
2: as third grade all the way up through college can be in teammates. 94% of students in the teammates program say they're proud to take part, while 91% of mentors say teammates is the highlight of their day. (laughs) The other 9% clearly lost the board game. Surveys tell us that one out of every three students grows up without a mentor, but with your help, we can immediately start to
1: change that statistic for the better. You can visit teammates.org to become a mentor today. Hello and welcome to the 2023 college football season. You're listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer podcast, the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, and a proud member of the Herdat Sports Network. I'm Drew, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Ben.
2: Thanks, Drew, and thank you all for joining us. For those new to the show, each episode, Drew and I will sample craft beer, Mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight.
1: We encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information.
2: And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com.
1: On this week's episode, Ben and I sample a beer from Monolithic Brewing Company, preview Nebraska versus Minnesota, and then raise a glass to our opponent, opponent with a Minnesota sportsman sip. I'm Drew and I'm Ben and this is Wanna Be Walk-ons. Wannabe walk-ons.
2: I always have a moment of panic when this when this part's about to occur because it's our bullshit part where there's there there's something to talk about maybe, but there's like nothing to really talk about. Yeah, it's just like the delaying the inevitable, which is to talk about (laughs) the stuff that people are actually here for. But I actually have something for today. Nice. I have a question for you. Oh, boy. okay if the and we're going to use the uh, the new aligned, newly aligned conferences for this question. okay okay so like where I don't know where everyone's going. Um, and you can correct me if I'm
1: wrong, but I, you, you might be, you might be wrong today, right? Tomorrow at this point. So, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So
2: if, if the new conferences, okay, uh-huh. um, were combined, not, no, no, hold on. Well, <laughs> <laughs> one, one conference to <laughs> rule them all. <laughs> I guess here's the question. I'll just, I'll just ask the question, which conference hat would be the, the best. I don't, I guess I don't know the question. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> I, I guess what I'm trying to get at, and, and I'm doing a terrible job of asking this, is who is the best beer conference out of all the conferences?
1: Whichever I, one has Minnesota and Wisconsin. I was going to say, I
2: think it's the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten, and then they just added the juggernauts that are In Washington, Oregon, and, and, yeah, and California. And they have, yeah, they have Hop County,
1: Hop and I was, Country. I was going to uh,
2: say that it only counts if your if your team like, let's say there's some states that have teams that are in multiple conferences. You don't get to claim that state unless you are the best team in that state. Okay. And right now, like, USC is, I think, the top-rated team in California. Yeah. They're the only team in California that's won a game so far. <laughs>
1: As of this recording,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, they, we get California technically next year. Yeah. You know, but I don't think California's enough to swing it into the Pac-12 of this year. Well, yeah, but I, no. but I think it's the Big Ten, right? Like the Big Ten is the best beer conference.
1: I think that the best beer conference, the best beer drinking conference. Yeah. Yeah. All around. I'm not worried about agree.
2: drinking, you know, but I mean, as far like, because well, yeah, that's the Big Ten. I'm not going to fight. I mean,
1: I think those things are hand drinking, in
2: hand. Drinking beer. Right. Yeah. Because like there's there's some some states down south that can drink some moonshine and some stuff <laughs> where they're drinking <laughs> us under yeah, the yeah, table. Yeah. yeah.
1: The hard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because they got to survive the fact that they live in the south. Yeah, but um, yeah, I would say it's I would think the Big Ten would take that in a landslide. Yeah, I don't think you'd find anybody arguing it. Yeah, so at least okay. not on this. podcast. Well, then I
2: guess it's not it's not much of a debate then. Nope. The question that I could not <laughs> seem to, <laughs> to get out to answer. I was just thinking about it. I was talking to a friend and, and I was like, I think the Big Ten pound for pound is is the best beer conference. And anyone who rivals that or is argues it is kind of dumb.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because you got. I mean, Michigan too. Michigan has tons huh. of breweries. Michigan,
2: Wisconsin, Minnesota, and then you are going to add in Washington, Oregon, California.
1: Yeah, well, let's not forget Nebraska.
2: Nebraska's got a great roster. Amazing of, of stuff. Breweries. Iowa, Iowa, honestly, Hold does. on, though. No,
0: hold on. Yeah, I was going to say, don't yeah. don't shit on Iowa <laughs> when it comes to their beer. <laughs> not when it comes
2: to beer, you made a face, and I was like, no, no, no. But then you said the thing that I was. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, there is yeah. some there is some heavy hitters in the Big Ten. Illinois got some some sneaky good. Like they got Goose Island. Yeah. Uh, along with some uh, other smaller breweries that just, I mean, run the table.
1: Yeah, I think we did. Um, sketchbook is that is that their Sketchbook out of Illinois? Think uh, like Evanston. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a good one.
2: Yeah, I like them. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of them, a lot of good breweries, and and so there we go. Good.
1: What it's, if that's it, what if that's what's motivating conference realignment? Is beer? Yeah, behind like behind the scenes, the, the Big thing Ten that, commissioners <laughs> like. We're, we're gonna we're gonna be it. the
2: best conference when it comes to beer. Yeah, craft beer. Hell yeah. yeah, yeah. And then when all these schools finally have their their NIL beers, it'll be this major conglomerate. Yeah, beer in the stadiums. Yeah. Well, we'll see about that. It's ha- it's got to happen soon. right? It's
1: gonna happen. We're like taking steps towards it. Yeah. You know what I think is
2: sneaky though. So let's talk about this. Okay. Congratulations to Crossstrain on the the 1890 yeah, yeah, yeah. initiative and and the the beer. Uh, the Cornhead Lager. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to be reviewing that, if not next week, uh, sometime real soon. We'll have that on the show. But um, what I think is real sneaky is when they first announced NIL, it said explicitly in there that like athletes could not endorse alcohol at the University of Nebraska. Yeah. But if the initiative is endorsing the alcohol and they're getting just money that's being dispersed to students who are a part of that initiative that's tap the nose using their brain
1: like yeah. that's sneaky once, smart once the money enters the building you pull it together you don't say where it comes from yeah i mean and you don't have money athletes. Laundering, but <laughs> <You know. laughs> Tech, i mean irs you do have to say
2: where it comes from you yeah just,
1: but you yeah. don't have to say that the like the athletes themselves don't have to stand up with a can of beer in their hands no. they've got migos and runzas for that yeah so did yeah. you call it migos no, amigos. I was gonna say, were you too lazy to <laughs> pronounce the "uh"? Like like Ethan Kelly Oakmanis, I just fr- fuck the first letter. Yeah. Just forget it. There you go. Uh,
2: Do you think that the, like the when they wrote his name on the birth certificate, the pen was just out of ink, and they had to like shake <laughs> it a few times? Get like, it. There is an "n." It's just scratched. But it's just in. yeah. It's not. <laughs> they're like oh god. I'm like fuck it. Yeah, that does it for bullshit yeah. this week. <laughs> speaking of of beer though i think this is as good a time of any to transition into what we are drinking today and we've we've actually got a a special beer uh, that that we're drinking today um from monolithic brewing company now during the off season we were fortunate to sit down with shane costello he's the brewmaster from monolithic brewing company uh to get the inside scoop on their formation on monolithic's brewing philosophy and so much more if if you guys are a fan of Nebraska craft beer, which we would imagine that's part of why you're here, the conversation is, is absolutely a must listen. You can find that episode on our website or wherever you get your podcast. It came out on June 27th of 2023. It's very easy to find. Um, but today we are drinking from Monolithic Brewing Company. And uh, Drew, why don't you tell us what we are drinking?
1: Yeah, we are drinking um, Race Day IPA. It's a New England hazy IPA brewed in collaboration with Josh Peterson, who's known best, Um, Tom Best is a guest on our podcast. Um, you might have, you might've heard of him, um, as a host of 1620, the zones unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. His, his second biggest credit (laughs) is probably that, uh, with, with us being numero uno. Um, but I was, I I sent Josh a message saying, Hey, we're going to cover race day IPA on the podcast. I've got some questions for you. Uh, and he made some time out of his busy schedule since he's not on the show our show this week. You know, he was able to find some free he's time. He's taken
1: he's taken a number of consecutive weeks off yeah, since he's <laughs> taken
2: he's taken a whole uh it's been like a year and a half. It's it's our fault. Like we haven't invited him back. We are dumb. We should. Yeah. Um cuz he actually knows what he's talking about in regards to <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska Athletics. Um but uh, I asked him just some some questions. Um the first one was what inspired this beer? Um, so true or false, true? No. Yeah. (laughs) Um, he said that son of juice from Maplewood brewing was his inspiration. He had that beer a few years back at a friend's house. Absolutely loved it. Uh, any chance he gets to try it, he gets a can of four. Um, when he had a conversation with Shane about, uh, what he really wanted to do and what he had in mind, that was the first beer that he thought of was that son of juice. Um, it was pretty cool because one of the hops, um, isn't really used a whole lot, uh in their in their hazies but it was able to be used in this iteration of the beer. So um it was kind of a neat way to um do something special for monolithic and encounter how they go about making their beers. Yeah. Um but again it's race day IPA. Josh is a is a known runner. Uh, he's got a wonderful new podcast out uh, about running that you listen to. Yeah.
1: Chasing chasing 3 hours. Um and I'm not a runner. Yeah. but I listen to it because the the conversations that he has with people who are runners um are applicable to like so much in life, like so many things that we um, set out to accomplish. Um, it just has that heavy running slant to it. And yeah. so um, just a, it's just a very enjoyable um, podcast and it's something that you can listen to again, if even if you're not a runner, as long as, you know, you're willing to kind of like bend it as a metaphor for other things. Yeah, I think. So, which is I great.
2: Mean, that's what this show is, right? Like this show is a metal f- metaphor. I'm never,
1: ever actually talking about beer and football. Yeah. When
2: this show is actually, you know what we're always talking about? The Supreme Court. <laughs> 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 all of these conversations. Surprise. Yeah, we're talking about all the justices. It's up to you to figure out which is which. <laughs> Who's who? Yeah. Um, so I asked Josh if this beer, uh, is this a beer that he would have after a race? Uh, and his, his answer was definitely, but maybe not right after I finish, uh, the beers at races tend to be a little lighter. Uh, it's something he would want later in the day, uh, with lunch, uh, as he's soaking in memories of the day and all that he accomplished. Uh, wow. He sounds really full of himself. Um, this is definitely an IPA that he would have mid afternoon after a marathon sore as hell, uh, but so happy with what he had done. Um, so drew, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you think about this beer, and, and I'll share what I think about this
1: beer. Yeah, um, I really like the the hop profile on this. Um, I don't I don't know what hops. I don't think you said, um, but they do have this nice like sort of orange tangerine tropical um, taste to them. It's not overly bitter like at all. I think it's incredibly well balanced. Um, it makes it drinkable. I can understand why you wouldn't want to like hit one of these right after a race when you're maybe trying to recuperate, but um, it's still, it's still refreshing very drinkable and delightful this Is I had to go and get it, um, at Monolithic and then had to bring some home with me too. So yeah, yeah. Ha- had to go and get, it. Ha- yeah, I didn't, hands were tied. To, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every time that yeah. I'm like,
2: Hey, you want to go to Monolithic and get beer? You're like, you know what? I'm so busy that day that I will clear my schedule. And <laughs> I might, I mean, who celebrates my kid graduating kindergarten? It, you know, yeah. I
1: don't need to go to that. Or, well, I, maybe I will, but I'll bring along a a, a Crowler from Monolithic. I don't know. <laughs> You'd be the most popular parent. No. You did
2: not miss out on your kid's kindergarten graduation no. to go to Monolithic. That's preposterous.
0: No, no. no. Who would do that?
2: Um, I, I, I'm in alignment with you as far as what this beer tastes like. It really does have a nice citrusy hit, and, and it's one of those where like it gets cleaner and cleaner on the palate um, as the beer kind of dissipates. The you, You're just left with this really tropical kind of aroma but what i like about this that you don't always get with a hazy is it's still ha- i still know i'm drinking an ipa i yeah. still get the pininess and and some of that hoppiness that sometimes is missing when you go for too juicy or too tropical of an ipa this still feels like it's it's hitting within that profile and so it kind of skirts the line of two different beer styles. I'm, I'm hit with that tropical note, that sweetness, that brightness. Um, but then I'm also like complimented with, it's not again, not bitter, uh, but it is a full rounded flavor where that kind of comes through kind of like some of those, um, hopped ciders that we've had mm, where yeah. there, there's that hoppy note that, that hits, that just gives you more complexity and, and growth in that beer. So I'm, I'm very impressed. Uh, it's a wonderful beer. Congratulations to Josh. I know that he's going to be, um, running in some very serious marathons in the future, which is incredible. Um, I am not a runner. I know I, I I know I don't look at, you look at me and you go, I I wonder if this guy runs, you know, sub three, but no, not yet. Not unless it's downhill and I've tripped. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's about how I run a a fast marathon. Uh, but my last question, Josh, now that we've discussed the, uh, the bright citrusy kind of profile of beer, I said, does the bright citrus notes match your disposition or personality? during or post race. And he said, that's funny, to which I said, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> no, he said, that's, it's funny. Uh, I don't know if I would have said that going in, in terms of what I was going for, but I definitely think it fits my personality. I finish runs and it feels good, probably 95% of the time. So I'm often happy and bright about them. Uh, this fits that for sure. So
1: it's very cool.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it's neat to know, you know, other folks who aren't Brewmasters, kind of what goes into a beer that we get to enjoy you know we got to make a beer uh with divots and the beer came out in a way that kind of aligned in what we were hoping to accomplish and so it's just neat to see someone else kind of get to have that joy and that pleasure and to make a great beer um yeah that's wonderful to enjoy
1: yeah it, it was a fun process when we did it and i have no doubt that that josh you know enjoyed it just the same and um very thankful to to him and monolithic for partnering on it because they they made a great beer Yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, Drew, before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show know Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska.
1: The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. On September 5th, the Guild will be hosting Links and Loggers, a craft beer golf scramble at Grand Island's Jackrabbit Run. Your red- registration fee includes golf, breakfast, lunch, and unlimited Nebraska craft beer, cider, and seltzer. If
2: golf ain't your thing, but drinking local is, you can check out the Western Nebraska Craft Beer Festival on September 9th at North Platts Powell's Brewing. You might be saying, but I'll miss the Colorado game. No, you won't. The Western Nebraska Beer Fest starts at 4 p.m. and features 18 breweries, wineries, and distilleries.
1: If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and pick up tickets to these awesome events by visiting their website at nebraska.beer. All right. It's here. We're here. We're here. We made it.
2: We made it. We made it through a very, I mean, it's always the same length off season but it f- it always feels long. It does. Yeah. It feels long when you're Always not-
1: for different reasons too. Do you, do you think
2: it would feel long if we were in a bowl game? I mean it would, right? Like it wouldn't matter whether we made a bowl game or not. The length of the off season still feels Yeah. incredibly long.
1: Yeah. Why? So no, just, I, just, I, I just, no, no, no.
2: I'm not, I'm not trying the, to.
1: Like, as we like approach this, this wonderful new horizon of Nebraska football, you got to bring up the fact that. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, people always say, "Man, I know it feels like saying. such a long off season," and I'm like, "Yeah, it is we, technically longer
2: when you're not in a bowl game." Yeah, technically, uh, yes. Okay, but at least like there's still college football on. You know, unless you're the the last two teams, there's college football on after your team is out that's of true. it. Okay. So that's what I'm trying to say, right? Is like it's the off season's long, regardless of who you are. Yeah, and, and I would imagine Georgia fans right now are like, I
1: want to, I can't wait to be back. Yeah, well, they're the underdogs this year in the SEC. Oh, are they? <laughs> are they? Yeah. yeah, it's tough for them, man. It's tough life. because they don't have a 48 year old
2: at quarterback <laughs> in, in Stetson Bennett. Is that is that why they didn't their their five stars are are less than you know? three dozen yeah (laughs) yeah they have too few of of impact players right now on their roster yeah drew did you get to watch any of the uh football action on on week zero i did watch a little bit of it yeah yeah did Um, you have a favorite moment from week zero yes i did (laughs) can i can i guess yes okay i I think there were like three gems okay from from week zero okay um i'm gonna guess that yours was the
1: ref getting the ball (laughs) to the face (laughs) yes san diego state yes oh my god it was perfect I was um, I was watching that game and I was I was multitasking in that moment, um, so I didn't I wasn't like fully engaged in the game. I just I had it on my phone. I just happened to like look over, and they were doing the slow mo replay. So I didn't even see it in live. <laughs> I saw the the initial uh, view for me was slow mo, and it was the the quarterback was being like dragged dragged down by an Ohio defender, <laughs> just you know sidearms the ball and just. Boom, oh, straight into this ref's face it was a tight spiral man I, like it, it was, was a nice throw for being under duress yeah. um unfortunately, yeah, the ref wasn't ready for it so he couldn't get his hands up uh, in time to make the catch. oh man, I about died laughing uh I wonder when I saw that
2: like let's say let's say that the quarterback throws the ball and it hits the ref, which happened you know, uh-huh. we don't have to say that that yeah but let's say there's not an eligible receiver near that ref. Uh huh. And he's going down on a potential sack, but there would have been a receiver down the field. Like, how do you argue with that ball? Have, like, do you look at how big the welt is on the <laughs> ref's face? you be like, oh no, that ball would have only gone like twelve <laughs> yards, and there wasn't a receiver. To calculate
1: the the trajectory yeah. and the velocity. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that. I don't know how that works. You just gotta call it a dead ball. I think he right? just let like it, it. Yeah, it's just, he just let it go. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was definitely that was definitely my top moment. Um. I enjoyed. Uh. I think Louisiana tech was it? No, Mer- it was Mercer and um, North Alabama and North Alabama. That the, if they tried the old flea flicker sack oh, yeah. combo, that was enjoyable.
2: Did you, did you follow that a few plays later where they had a, a lineman go out wide, uh, t- as a wide receiver? Did no, you not I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Okay. So that was my favorite moment. Uh, he went out wide as a decoy. They put him out and they were like, Oh, they're clearly going to go to the big guy on like some sort of screen. And they, they threw back a wide receiver screen on the opposite side of the field. But the, uh, the offensive lineman um, went out real wide, threw his hands up in the air, and he goes, here, I'm over here. And you could hear it. You could hear it picked up on the microphone, and the guy goes, here, 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 here. <laughs> and his arms were just, like, up in the air, uh, and it, was, it did, was wonderful. Did the
1: defense bite? Was there anybody? Not in the no.
2: <laughs> I don't even think the quarterback gave him eyes. Like, he yeah. didn't even look at him. And It was, it was magical, and, and I think in that same sequence, I think North Alabama was, like, first and 30 then they pulled out another trick play um did not throw to that offensive lineman the bubble got blown up on the screen and then they somehow converted with a quarterback scramble on like third and they got down to like third and nine yeah and they 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 converted and then they had to uh they had to punt i mean it was it's awesome i love week zero football it was so bad Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like a Halloween special. Like there's just so much goofy shit going oh, on. And so it's good. like
2: it felt so good to be back. Yeah. My my youngest was was sick, sort of. He had to go to urgent care. It wound up being nothing. He just was tired, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but on the way back home, he was like, Dad, can we just cuddle on the couch? I was like, You want to watch football with dad? And he was like, Yeah, if I can have a popsicle. I was like, You can have as many popsicles as <laughs> you want, but <laughs> he went through I think like four popsicles, but I was like, as long as you're just hey, laying here and we're watching football everybody's happy absolutely yeah well you know that's that's enough of that crap let's talk <laughs> let's
1: talk real football let's
2: talk about some some uh some upcoming football husker football is back we finally made it through a long off season with or without a bowl who cares that's an irrelevant conversation <laughs> it is now where eyes are forward yeah yep um it's time to talk about a football game yeah i keep saying that let's just let's just do it uh i'm gonna hit some some quick stats at you and feel free to to react to these. Um, I'll do it
1: not, but not. I'll just do it visually.
2: Oh, okay. I'll describe <laughs> you what describe, you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, 2022. Let's talk about that real fast.
1: What did I just
2: say? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, Nebraska, uh, four and eight, three and six in conference. Minnesota, nine and four, uh, overall five and four in conference. Matt Rules first game at Nebraska. He is 47 and 43 all time in the college ranks. PJ Fleck is forty four and twenty seven through seven seasons at Minnesota. He's twenty six and twenty six in conference. Um he's seventy four and forty nine all time as a as a head coach. Uh and he is five and one against Nebraska. Drew is yeah. just putting him, oh you Oh sorry. You. <laughs> that bit's that over. last okay. no that Moving last on. one,
1: yeah. The last one their their head to head record hurt yeah. hurt me a little too much
2: kickoff for this game nebraska versus minnesota is scheduled for thursday eight you've heard the coaching staff and players say eight thirty-one, plenty it's scheduled for seven o'clock central on fox it will be in minneapolis at huntington bank stadium um, the line opened at eight and a half in favor of minnesota dropped as low as six and a half right now it's sitting around seven seven and a half um, when i wrote this down the points total was at 48 and a half i saw it go down to 46 and a half um, so you're looking at a projected score of, like, 28-21. Okay. So this could be a, a close game, could be an interesting game. What jumps out at you? I mean, how does that line feel? Does it feel appropriate?
1: I think it does because you're giving them, what, three and a half or whatever for the home home field. Um, you're talking about a, a program that's very well established playing at home. Um, I think I think traditionally under P.J. Fleck, Minnesota has struggled out of the gates. They've always kind of laid an egg somewhere Um, in their non-con or like came close to you know doing the old head scratcher against like an fcs or whatever but um i know last year they took care of business um out of the gates and so uh even with all their uncertainty i think there's just too much uncertainty around nebraska uh to to let it be any closer than a touchdown betting wise so that makes sense
2: yeah i think i think the line's fair um i'm surprised that it's you know that it that it opened at eight and a half whatever i i think that anything over a touchdown you know is a bit much just the way that this game has shaped up the past few years um especially seeing how you know minnesota likes to go out defensively and play the game and then the way that matt rule is kind of talking about how they want to go out and play the game i don't think it's going to be a high scoring affair i don't think it's going to be one of those games where anyone necessarily runs away with it um so i think this is a close game that might come down to a field goal to a late touchdown who has the ball last sort of situation um, which I think is great for for a young team um, like a Minnesota young team, as far as a lot of new starters and things like that. But for a Nebraska team that's had struggles winning late, I don't like the way that that shapes up. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm kind
1: of surprised by the 48 total with feels like a lot of points. That seems like a lot for two teams that, well, you know, Minnesota. Obviously, we know they want to they want to run it and possess the ball. Nebraska talks like they're gonna do that. Um, and then you have rule changes with the clock um, where it's going to be running a lot more on first downs. Yeah. And so that's going to make the games go a little bit quicker. And so, um, yeah, I would I would put it a whole hell of a lot closer to 40 than I would to 50. Yeah, so uh, you're smashing so. that under? I would be, yeah, with your, with at this your, point.
2: With fake money, if you had house
1: money. Well, it's fake, but don't tell my wife. Oh, know? are you? No no, <laughs> no, no, no. Are you an Iowa I don't, fan? Yeah. <laughs> oh man um no I don't I don't gamble because I'm bad at it like I like I'll I will pretend gamble like I'll look at lines and i will be like oh yeah I to take I would take that if I had money I'd put that in there and I am always always wrong so take everything else I say from here on out well yeah you know we're not known for our gambling advice (laughs) I just I the line the
2: line just always is a curiosity to me Mm -hmm. um how how close uh Vegas usually is in getting that right like the fact that there's people out there those you know who can who can a handicap or who can just figure that stuff out like
1: who it that, is pretty incredible that's cool with all yeah with everything all the changes yeah. you know that happen and especially now in off seasons so people are probably thinking well you're not an expert on football you're not an expert on gambling <laughs> what are you
2: what what yeah well let's dive uh, in man let's okay. talk about this nebraska minnesota game you know we do these preseasons where we talk and talk and talk about these teams and, and we focus so much on the opponent's I'm so much looking forward to like talking about Nebraska going into this matchup. Yeah. I just I kind of wrote down questions and I'd be I'd be curious mm-hmm. to know like what your thoughts are on these. Um and uh yeah, my my first question as we dive into Nebraska's offense is like how how effective and efficient do you think the run game
1: is going to be? I I well I mean it starts with the offensive line, which is how where the entire offense starts with. Um I, I think that like like the running backs we we have a stable of running backs that we can absolutely count on. We've got um a quarterback who's projecting to be um you know a threat with his legs um but also with with the in the passing game. Um and so I think we're, opponents hopefully will have to respect Jeff Sims arm enough where it opens up some things in the run game, but um but yeah, I think ultimately it does boil down to how how well can this offensive line do. Um you know, Rayola wants to be that. You know, the attacking offensive line. Um, you know, being bullies, being physical. Um, it, I feel like we've got like the top five to seven are are solid, right? Like they, even though their careers haven't necessarily all gone the way that we thought they would, um, at the talent I think is still there. Like I don't, talent doesn't go away, and so. Um. You know, if they, if they can get the job done, if they can stay healthy, because um, we don't have a lot of depth behind them, but if they can, you know, play a lot of snaps and be there, I think that our running game definitely has a chance to be pretty great.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think this is a really good first test. I think this is going to be a really nice measuring stick right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. You know, Minnesota's historically been pretty stingy against the run. They've had some great running backs that have gone through Minnesota, so I would imagine they're well-versed. They've had some great offensive lines that have been real bullies um, mm-hmm. in size and also in technique and in their ability. So I think that Minnesota is a team that defensively is well practiced against a great running attack. And I think if Nebraska can find some success in the run game against Minnesota, we're going to see like what that could potentially build to throughout the season. So I, I like this matchup, and that's why I'm curious. Like, what are what is our run game? How efficient is that going to look against Minnesota specifically? Because I think that tells us a lot about how this the season is going to unfold. Um, you know, we'll get into games like the Purdue game or maybe the the Michigan State game. And those are the ones where like if we're doing well against the Minnesotas and, and down there the, the Illinois of the world and we're running over those teams or or able to move the ball that way, then I'm more confident going into some of these other matchups where they're not as stout against the run.
1: Yeah. And I I mean that this is where it's like I I wish we would have had Easier opponents out of the gate because I don't want to be I don't want a measuring stick yet. <laughs> like I just <laughs> That's don't. That's fair. That's very fair. I want um, those tune-up games for these guys to um, to iron out all the wrinkles of like you know getting getting the play calls in, um, dealing with certain like situational type stuff, um, communication along the line, um, and those sorts of things where it's like when you you make your mistake, you don't have to pay as as heavy of a price. Um, or as you're maybe, you know, hitting adversity, um, you can at least like lean on your talent to kind of push through and, and get you through. Um, but with, you know, going, going up against Minnesota and I don't, I'm, i think that any Nebraska player will tell you like they, that they welcome the competition and they welcome this level of competition and they're not worried about it. Um, but, yeah, but as a fan, like, I, I've i always appreciated those tune-up games just to, again, just get things in place before you really reach the meat of your schedule. So. Yeah,
2: like those those Georgia Southern tune-up games. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Northern Illinois. Yeah, you, um, you know. We, I, yeah, you know what
2: I mean. I, I'm going to push back on that, and as some would, some would say, we like to argue. Um <laughs> I, I don't mind the early measuring stick. I get where you're coming from on like it is nice to have those tune up games and, and get things figured out. but like i I think that the net positive of having this kind of game early far outweighs the 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 tune up game just going well. like last year, Nebraska struggled kind of almost for the whole game against North Dakota, right you know and and that was like a rough indication of how things were gonna go the rest of the season. Whereas here, if you struggle against Minnesota, like you're already not anticipated. You're, you're the underdog. You're coming into this in a tough situation and you get to almost, you know, iron sharp and iron in that sense. If you're struggling now and you get that stuff figured out against these opponents, you can snowball that in as a positivity going into the next opponents. So I don't hate these. You know, if, if Minnesota was going to be a better team, you know, halfway through the season, they're probably going to be the better team now. And so what? I mean, yeah, that the, the outcome is the same. The opportunity is you you kind of forge in fire and you get to push yourself through this. Um, you know, does it mean that I still don't want to start our season with a win? Absolutely not. And when we get to our predictions, do I think we're <laughs> going to start it with a win? Absolutely. But I don't, I don't hate starting like this. I hate starting mm-hmm. on a Thursday. That's yeah. what I really hate. Yeah. You know what I mean? At my kid's bedtime.
1: Yeah. That's what yeah. I really hate. That is obnoxious.
2: Yeah. So, you know... Bill moose did a lot of stuff while he was at Nebraska this is probably one of those things that we're still getting <laughs> the residuals from you know I'm sure that new facility is beautiful on the inside but uh Thursday night games blow yeah so uh yeah that's my first question okay what else you got what else do I got can this is kind of in the same vein right like can Nebraska keep Jeff Sims clean
1: yes but I'm Check. because of yes that's it yeah um Minnesota it is a great defense, or they were last year, but they were not known for getting after the quarterback. And we talked about that a little bit in the preseason, and I'm sure people have heard it a lot, but like, um, they, they're working on finding guys to get after the quarterback. They know that that's the, that's one of the biggest weaknesses on this defense. Um, I have no idea if whether they found, um, the solution to that problem. I guess we're going to find out, but I, th- I think that, um, Maybe this is a, it, then a good a good time to catch Minnesota, in the sense that you catch them on that first game where they will not have, you know, their rotations along the defensive line figured out, or they won't have guys um, kind of coming into their own and hitting their stride right out of the gate, and so that might help Jeff Sims. But um, yeah, Minnesota not having that as a strength on their defense, and then Jeff Sims' mobility, um, having a fullback back there, an extra blocker, um, guys like uh, I think Ramirez and, and Gabe who can be effective in the in the pass blocking game I think all those things kind of help out and then also we're, I think we're gonna see a lot of two tight end sets too and so guys like Borkircher and Fedoni along the line helping block um, I think that's going to be critical to success for sure
2: my my bigger concern comes less uh, with Jeff Sims sitting in the pocket and more so with like coverage sacks and his mobility to me that's where the bigger injuries occur and that's like when we had Adrian who could really scramble and get out of there that's that's where a lot of the the bad stuff happened. It uh, wasn't so much him just, you know, sitting in the pocket. It was he rolls out, he gets hit at an awkward angle. There's coverage sacks, so he's not getting rid of the ball. He, he kind of makes himself a target. And so I'm just, it's almost less a question of can the O-line protect Jeff and does he have the support in the backfield? It's more a matter of can our wide receivers do the work to get open so that he's not stuck holding that ball super late. The depth chart came out, and I was actually kind of reading through that a little more impressed than I thought I was going to be with the wide receivers that we really seem to have a nice two deep, Uh, just put Bullock up on scholarship. And, you know, we're really excited to have him out there and and to aid with, with IGC and with Marcus Washington and Josh Fleeks and um, some guys looking healthy that maybe we weren't anticipating being a part of the thing right out of the gate. Um, But that's, that's my concern is like, can these wide receivers play their part to keep Jeff clean too, get open so that he's not having to hold that ball back in the backfield or, or make too much stuff happen with his legs. We've learned over the past four or five seasons that when you expect your quarterback to do too much, that's when your quarterback winds up getting hurt. And if they're going to be the difference maker, they got to keep clean. Yeah. And Minnesota plays big boy football. They're going to come at you. You know, they may not have the guys right out of the gate, but they're smart. They're going to scheme a way to get to you. And if they can lay a hit on you, they're going to lay a hit on you.
1: Yeah. And that the, their secondary is phenomenal. And um, they're, they're havoc makers. And if you look at Nebraska's depth chart, like, yeah, those guys you listed at receiver, I think you can feel confident about quite a few of them. But I also know that like collectively, they're not looked at as the strength of the offense. Um, I forgot to say Billy Kemp too. I forgot yeah, to put his name but, out there. Yeah. yeah, but that, but and that's what I was going to bring up was, um, you know, Billy Kemp is going to be a, a high possession. Like he's going to be a little target hog, um, quick, easy. You know, throws around the line of scrimmage, getting him open in space. Um, you know, having having sure handed guys and the way that they talk about Bullock and through through camp and through this off season, I mean they've got high praises for him and his ability, his route running ability, um acrobatic catches and things like that. And so um I don't know how how well they'll they'll line up and and get away with like separation. Um I don't know if we really have a deep threat or anything like that. But um hopefully yeah, hopefully having guys just be available um that Jeff Sims can find them quickly to get the get the ball out when he needs to and avoid taking hits um I think that's probably the best you can hope for here
2: how much stock do you take in Jeff Sims's um turnover troubles at Georgia Tech versus kind of going into this season in a Big Ten where it is dominated by uh, a lot of defensive lines that like to wreak havoc and a lot of secondaries that are very talented
1: um, I think that's it's hard to say because I don't know a lot of like you you find instances where like turnovers translate like that's just part of who the guy is and it's the way he plays like he's he's a risk taker Um, but I also don't think that Jeff Sims fit very well with Georgia Tech and what they were trying to do and so I think they probably put him in position um, to and we we've seen it here at Nebraska with quarterbacks where you put him in a position and it, it causes problems and they and they force things or or have too much weight on their shoulder and it and it creates turnovers and so yeah it's it's that's a really hard question to answer
2: I guess do you think that that Georgia Tech just relied on Jeff Sims to throw the ball too much and to be more of a deep threat in more of like a a Mark Whipple style offense where it's like air the ball out get it to your playmakers as opposed to like using his legs making smart decisions high percentage yeah stuff like that I guess
1: yeah that yeah that and you know, being just unpolished in general um, as a player. And, you know, he's, he's a year older now. And um, I think he's with Satterfield in charge of this offense. I think he's going to be true to his word and he's going to tailor it to, to Jeff's strengths. Yeah. Um, So I think that'll reduce the turnover. I still think that like, you're going to see some turnovers from him. Like I really do think, I don't, I I don't think he's going to suddenly be like a 30 to six Type you know passer touchdown interception like, um, and with with the, with the no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. but with um, you know with the defense like Minnesota's with a especially a secondary like theirs, um again they they get after the ball they were they were really good at generating interceptions and turnovers without a pass rush last year like they didn't need the pass rush, um to to create chaos and so. Um, yeah I I mean whatever whatever Jeff Sims is going to be he's going to have to be smart with the ball. So
2: and from what everything you know like that Matt Rules saying and what Satterfield's saying in in these press conferences like he has done that. He has shown that he's taken that step and and that uh, he's putting himself in a position to be successful with the ball and that the the turnover friendly Jeff Sims is not as turnover friendly as he was in his time at Georgia State and and it's nice to kind of hear your thoughts on that because you almost wonder, well, is that is that just coach speak to keep your guy confident and comfortable, or is it like actually happening? And and I I tend to believe that it's actually happening. I think that rule could easily just not say anything. I, it was well, an issue.
1: I I I would take them at their word just because we've heard them say not positive things about good players. Yeah, you know what I mean when it comes to turnovers. Um, not not to be ne- like they're not being negative towards like it's not like it was a surprise for somebody to hear something. Um, said about them. I think they're just very honest and open. They're very honest and open first and foremost with the players, um, in practice and behind closed doors, and then. But they're also willing to share a lot of information with with media and fans. Yeah. So, Have you been
2: watching the A Look In?
1: Um, I've watched the first the first episode and then um, a little bit of the second episode. I I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I think the Nebraska's media team is incredible. Oh my god. And and I do like the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. I also um, the, the there's just a style of this docu the docu quote unquote documentary or or whatever you want to call it is very um it's just YouTubey if that makes sense like it's like a it's the type of stuff that my kids like to watch on YouTube okay um but a, just Nebraska football and I'm not taking any <laughs> of this personally no <laughs> no no and so like I can enjoy some of it but there's times where I'm like I want I wanted, I don't know, I just wanted it to be, like, either, like, a quick hype video or, like, a good, like, substantial, like, you know, meat on the bone. But it's mostly, it's very, think, it's fluffy. You it's think fluffy. your kids
2: are sitting down for a 30-minute or an hour-long video? Yes. No.
1: Yes, no. they do. No. They do, and it's like this. It's like these, like, it's like water balloon fights and, like, you know, but it's like it's like families having fun or kids going to toy stores. And, like, it's very, it's just It's just. Fun fluffy stuff, and like I, like I said, every once in a while, like I, as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, it's you know, it's interesting to see like this in their meetings or whatever. But like, I don't know.
2: There is a sequence in the third episode where the one defense. Well, def- don't spoil
1: I'm gonna Oh, you no, are not watching. Yeah. No, yeah, you can tell okay. Me. <laughs> I'm just gonna say there's
2: a sequence in the third episode uh-huh. where the ones are, are going against the ones. The defense is going against the one offense, and Matt Rule does not like the way that the one defense is performing, and he kicks them off the field okay and half the defense goes to run in the locker room and mj sherman says basically fuck that we're not going in the locker room and he rallies the troops and he's like we're going to go out there we're going to be focused we're going to play hard we're going to give him the effort he wants they go back out there they play uh unfocused and they wind up hitting jeff sims in the back of the leg on a rush and matt rule throws them off the field again and they go to run off the field again and then they re-rally themselves they recognize that this is a test and that there is no, there is zero room for bullshit in this program. Yeah. So this is just a way for me coming all the way back around to what you were saying, where it's like, if if this, if we're hearing something in a press conference, the team has already heard it three to five to 10 times. And so I, I tend to believe that I think Jeff Sims is... You know, not a not a changed man as far as his his turnover rate. When you are throwing these these deep balls and these high per, you know these low percentage passes, that's part of what happens. But they turn into basically being you know um, a, a punt differential on, on that front. So it's not like you are really losing a lot. You have to know when to take your shots and that sort of thing. But if this if this program and if Matt Rule is saying something to us, I don't think that he's just spinning yarn. I think that he really believes it and has coached it. Um, and so I would encourage you to watch the third episode of a look in it's an
1: hour long so god oh i feel like i just got like the most important information i'm gonna get out of it no i didn't i didn't say the most important part oh there's a part where they all got ice cream (laughs) (laughs) thank you
2: no (laughs) Uh, um i my my uh my final question as far as for the offense goes um is just tight ends and running backs question mark we have those we do have those yeah. and i expect big things from these guys and you've mentioned that you know a fair amount as, as well that these running backs and tight ends that we have are are incredibly talented but like when you go through uh and you look at tight end wise you've got boor you've got fedoni uh you look at our running backs in gay Irvin, ramir johnson anthony grant if he can hang on to the ball um, and then you look at the fullbacks janarin bonner and baron liebentritt who are making waves um and and Jaron Bonner is like a highlight reel in a lot of the stuff that that's being put out there. You know, we we see him come out as a fullback in the spring game. He's catching passes downfield in the end zone. And just, I mean, so you're like, there's some versatility here mm-hmm. that I think is going to catch people by surprise. And even though Matt Rule's like, we want to run power football, we want to line up, we want to win the line of scrimmage. I think Satterfield's got a few wrinkles that we just haven't seen yet. Um, and another thing that's great about going up against a team like Minnesota game one is you get to see the team, you know what I mean. You get <laughs> yeah. to see
1: what, yeah. They're not gonna hold. There's back. there's no
2: secret, right? There's no like, the play calls aren't just left or right like you used to get when you ran against nobody state. Yeah, you know, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, good old days playing nobody state.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm excited, and and uh, you know, rule likes to have um, athletes on his team, speed on his team. He likes to have guys that just have these um, certain physical traits that they then, you know, develop these guys into football players. But so you do end up with a lot of that versatility. Um, And when, when you've got, um, again, maybe like some questions about your, your wide receiver room, having, you know, maybe not having that deep threat or star power or depth where the, the, these other positions, um, especially like running back and fullback, you do have these guys that um, can maybe make up for what you lack in other areas. Um, and it and allows you and maybe even forces them to be more creative with their play calling and, and with their offense, um, which a lot, which, you know, you know, limitations will always do that. They will always force you to be more creative. And so um, I'm excited to see what they can do. I'm excited to have Fedoni healthy. Um, and, you know, I know the whole thing with Eric Gilbert that is probably not going to go nebraska's way definitely not by thursday it I sounds mean, like don't you feel like at this um, point
2: it'd be almost unfair to him if he was given the waiver for nebraska to be like no we expect you to be like there's i i don't think that's fair for a young man to have to be worried about am i playing or am i not playing there has to come a point where you're the, like regardless of what happens like it. this isn't your fault that this happened this is bureaucratic horse shit mm-hmm. and uh we're not going to put that pressure on you to have to show up and be that guy on three days notice yeah it's like
1: be ready but also you know yeah there's yeah, yeah there's too much bullshit around it and so but they have boer Kircher there um as well and i think you're gonna see a ton of two tight end sets you're gonna see these guys out on the field together a lot um i'm I, yeah i'm again just excited to see fedoni finally finally hit the field fully healthy um and i think at the right time i think i think yep. we, i think probably if we saw him the past couple of years we wouldn't have he would not have been used to his full potential. I think this offense is going to be so much more better for for him and for us as fans um to see him operating in it. So
2: is there is there anyone on the Minnesota defense that you're keeping your eye out for? I mean, is there anyone that that jumps
1: out in particular? No, I didn't write down any Minnesota player names. I don't care. I was here to talk about Nebraska football. <laughs> No, there's um,
2: well, you you just mentioned their secondary and, and that's kind of who I had circled was Tyler Newbin. He is a interception fiend. He's going to be licking his chops at, at mm-hmm. Jeff Sims of old and hoping that that that's the same guy that hits the field on Thursday. Um, Cody Lindenberg attacking from the linebacker position. Uh, and then you've got Jaw Joyner looking to apply pressure at the defensive end. Like those are the three guys that I look at and go. I think that we're going to hear their names a fair amount. Um, everything else is going to be spread out. But when you look at this Minnesota defense, I rewatched the Nebraska game from last year in preparation. Oof. And man, that first quarter, you thought Nebraska had this thing in the bag, right? They were running all over Minnesota and they were being bullies. And then something changed. And and I think that Minnesota's defensive style is they kind of, they play you soft to begin with. And so that they're playing their best football by the fourth quarter. And they just like to ratchet up the intensity. They ratchet up the pressure on the quarterback um they're they get much more aggressive later in the game which is which is a very interesting uh strategy in my opinion so they're like they're like willing to let you get you know a touchdown they like to get hit they're like a boxer who's like I need to get hit first and then I come I come to to play like then I wake up yeah um and that's kind of consistent with Minnesota both in individual games but also in the way that their seasons tend to ramp up right like They like to struggle a little bit and then they come closer together as a team. Mm -hmm. Uh, I see their defense doing the same thing. So I just want to see Nebraska strike early, but strike often, you know, don't have it be just, we get you one hit in the mouth and and that's the one they gave us. I want to see kind of that, that second punch come through and catch Minnesota by surprise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We saw that a lot from Nebraska where it's like, cool. We knocked you down, but then you, Oh, you got back up. We got to do it again. And then like, eventually we just stopped knocking them down. I think, um, and and you hear rule talk about in his press conferences a lot about playing their best football in the fourth quarter, and you yeah. ta- hear him talk about modeling um, his this team the way that the PJ Fleck has Minnesota operating. Um, and so, you know, we're gonna get we're gonna get to find out um, pretty quickly this season. Like, is this is this a four quarter team? Is this a team that's gonna have something left in the tank at the end of the game? Um, and they're going to be going up against a team that we know will have that um, that fourth quarter play in the back pocket that they, yeah. they will still be punching um, in the final round. And so, um, yeah, again, as much as I hate these conference openers, especially on the road um, on a Thursday fucking night, um, we do get to enjoy um you know, that that level of competition right out of the gate and being able to see, okay, how well do we match up against this team that our coach speaks so highly of as to say that he's actually modeling a lot of their stuff off of them.
2: Yeah. Last year, Purdy had the start against Minnesota. Um, we went with a very power run look against Minnesota. Um, Anthony Grant had a really nice first series, uh, let us downfield. There were, uh, I think, two passes, and then Purdy ran it in for the touchdown and Purdy went in untouched. And there was something interesting to see there. And I, and I just think that if you're throwing in that wrinkle, like Purdy wasn't expected to be able to run. You know, he, that's that's not what they looked at him as. Um, but with Jeff Sims being a legitimate threat um, in the run game, I think when you add in that wrinkle, uh, I, I'm kind of excited to see how Nebraska chooses to maybe try and be the bully and be the aggressor uh, against Minnesota. I think they have the the tools to really attack a defense that, Hasn't had to adjust to a multi-leveled offensive attack from Nebraska. Yeah. Very one-dimensional from Nebraska and identity-less.
1: Yeah, it has been. I was looking back at Minnesota's schedule from last year, and and they, um, their level of play from quarterbacks on the whole, like they played, a, they played a slew of um, quarterbacks that are now in the NFL. Um, you know, or guys that are still operating um, at the P5 level at other schools, but they didn't play a ton of. Um, true like dual threat quarterbacks. Um and they honestly they never I don't think they beat any team that had more than seven wins either. And so like I'm hoping that Nebraska can provide a level of competition both at quarterback and just on the whole that Minnesota hasn't seen in a in a while.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm kinda I kinda going into this game with some unearned confidence.
1: Oh, I got so much of that man.
2: But but <laughs> When when you look back at Minnesota, they have been, you know, they've been a nine-win team pretty consistently under P.J. Fleck, and then they've had, 2019, they had their miracle season where they really put together a, a nice season, but they've never appeared to be a world beater, and so I, I think that there is a chance for this offense to look good against this defense, I don't think it's going to be the same defense from last year or two years ago with Minnesota where they're, you know, a top five overall defense. They're still going to be a good defense. I'm not going to sell them short on that front. Um, but but there is something that says, like, I do think it's going to be a game. I don't think it's going to be a runaway for Minnesota. Some some places are saying, you know, they give up to like 13 and a half points. And I'm like, Eesh it's only happened twice uh, in, in recent memory where either Nebraska's ran up the, the score or Minnesota's ran up the score. Every other game has been close, and this isn't the kind of game where either either, uh, either coach is going to really try and do that. That's not, that's not their game plan. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So defensively, Nebraska's defense going up against Minnesota's offense, where do you, you want to start there? What, what comes to
1: mind? What, uh,
2: what interests you?
1: I mean we can start on the line again. Yeah. If you want um I think that uh I'm 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 excited to see our top line perform against this offensive line cuz it's a Minnesota offensive line, but it's one that's also retooling in the middle. Yep. Um and so there's going to be opportunities to um for like guys like Nash to make a real push um to be disruptive in the middle of that um, in the middle of their offensive line to um, eat up blocks to to stop a run game. That's going to be breaking in some new running backs, um, guys on the edge, and Blaze Gunnerson and Ty Robinson, yeah. Cam Leonard, who is a I think one of the only true freshmen listed at the top of the depth chart. I know he's an or with Blaze. Mm-hmm. Um, really fucking excited to see him on the field. Um, but just just how much of this um, defense is going to be? Predicated on um, disguising blitzes and bringing guys in off the edge, bringing in linebackers, um, but so much of that is going to start right up front. And I think that that with with what Minnesota has going on with their offensive line, with breaking in a new quarterback, a new um, new offensive coordinator, new running back. Um, I think that even though we're also new, um, we have a, an opportunity to get real comfortable real quick and have a lot of fun being disruptive.
2: Yeah. I mean, when, when, when you're talking about that line, I think it's, it's time for Ty Robinson to start to eat, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he he had some flashes last year. Um, and, and I think that now he should be developed to the point to where he is going to be that big man on the line who is kind of our, our all conference player up front. Uh, you mentioned Nash, you've got Raquan uh, Buckley as well, who's going yeah. to be taking over that nose tackle spot, kind of side by side. But I love the fact that Rule's already said he's got seven, eight, nine guys that they can get in on rotation there. The fact that that Lennart's already worked his way up, though, to be a guy on that line with this staff who has advertently said, we don't play freshmen because it's too hard for them. Yeah, For him to come in and be ready to go and to be making a difference, uh, uh, which would mean in practice making a difference against this veteran Nebraska offensive line. Um, that gives me some high hopes that maybe he's, you know, going to be that disruptor, that Caleb Tanner that that we lost to the draft last year. You know, um, so I am excited for this line play when it comes uh, specifically against Minnesota with a three-man front. You know, I I, I kind of like the way that this matches up in the sense that we're going to have some disguised looks. With Ethan Kaliak-Manus being a quarterback who is so mobile, he's got a great arm, you know, and that's, and that's kind of coming out. You look at some of these, uh, these highlights from last season when he took over for Tanner Morgan. You look at their spring game and kind of how he's evolved as a quarterback. I think his arm has gotten better, but his legs are still such a valuable asset for him. I'm excited to have some more speed guys that will be closer to the line of scrimmage with the way that this um, defense is going to look to be able to contain him because I think that's where Minnesota is going to potentially burn Nebraska on, on those big plays, is it's not so much like big plays downfield. It's going to be quarterback scrambles where we think we have him contained and he takes off for 15 yards on a third down or something like that. Yeah. So I like the fact that not only do we have great guys on the line who are going to be disruptors, but also that the number of people on the line will ebb and flow based on what is called and what package we've got. So I'm excited to see how that all plays out. And I think that's a good again another good measuring stick for how is this defense going to hold up with a quarterback who can beat you with his legs just like he can with his arms. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's where the that's where the the jack position comes into play because that's a that's the um, you know a guy who can that's like MJ Sherman and um, yeah. and I think Prince will and um you know they they can be a part of that. You have two veteran linebackers starting in, in Nick Henrich and and uh, Luke Reimer in the middle who I think are going to be. You know critical components, and not just stopping the run game, but but stopping the quarterback run game. Um, and then Isaac Gifford coming down and run support. He's he's another guy I think that that could come into play there when when it comes to containing the quarterback. So um, I don't think Nebraska is short on options. It's just it, it is it's a tough wrinkle, especially if they feel like ever like they have to sell out to the run game. If Minnesota um, is able to get their running backs going, where they're ripping off chunks, um, you know, then you know if if everybody's focused on you know over pursuit on the running back then then definitely they can you could see play action coming into play and quarterback rolling out and you know maybe picking up an extra 10 15 yards with his legs like you said so um it'll be it'll be a definite test and it's one that nebraska's not always done well with mobile quarterbacks in the past but you know new new defense new hope yeah so that's that's all
2: it is man yeah New defense, (laughs) new hope. hope How how are you feeling, or 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 I guess what's your thoughts when I say you know third down? Like, what how does that make you feel?
1: I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, is I'm, that, I'm nervous, situational?
2: Right? I don't know. I feel like Nebraska has just not been successful on third down defensively, and I'm excited to see what what Tony White's defense looks like and and the discipline of of Matt Rule coming in. How much better is Nebraska going to be on third down? I mean, yeah. these are the these are the games, the Minnesota games, the Wisconsin game last year. Like, you look at all these games that. Where teams like, hey, we haven't beat these guys in a while. We got a fighting chance, but not if they get to third down. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it feels like that third down uh, is such the big question mark, and that's what I want to see: is can this defense, when they get teams into third and four, is it not an automatic first down?
1: Yeah. Well, and if if Minnesota not subbing out in that situation, and Nebraska has to keep their defense on the field, um, you know, it being a three three five, and again having so many um, versatile positions, but also players who are physically versatile, who are actually capable of doing all the different things that are required. I think that'll come in handy you know, for Nebraska as long as they can execute. Um, and so, yeah, seeing, seeing how um, Tony White calls it on third down, like how he tinkers with his own defense and, and gets guys into position for that. But um, very situational. And that's something that Minnesota has been good at on both sides of the ball, and that's yeah. why they're so steadily successful um, is their ability to – convert on third, stop, they're, stop on. Th- and they don't, they don't, they're not a team that disguises what they're doing. Um, Like if it's a, if it's a run, if they need to run for a third down, they're going to run for a third down and they're just so good at it that they get it most of the time.
2: They've been one of the best, I think, in the country on both sides of the ball, year mm-hmm. after year on third down. Yeah. You know, and so I think, again, could you pick a better team to be a measuring stick for what the Big Ten could look like Georgia, for Nebraska?
1: Georgia, Georgia Southern. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> play them again. want to play No, either. they tasted blood. Uh. Man.
2: <laughs> they're like a dog with blood. Nobody stayed taking blood. Yeah, I don't Please. want. I don't want that anymore. No. Yeah, we're, I'm already after. I don't know. I watched part of Louisiana Tech last night, and when I when I finally turned it off, they weren't looking great. And then I turned it back on. And they won. I'm like,
1: well, shit. I don't want to play them either.
2: <laughs> I know that they were. They're scrappy. Know. Yeah, they're they're scrappy. That Smoke Harris. Uh,
1: yeah, he's he's he's, he's going to catch a million. He's going to he's going to do what the uh, the the. What was it, Fordham linebacker did? Oh, where he had like forty tackles, the, yeah, yeah. But he's just gonna do it on the offensive side with the receptions. Forty receptions, yeah. Oh man,
2: didn't I think they said he touched the ball like forty-four times or something like that? I mean, something just an insane. Stupid. He does everything for him. Yeah, he's yeah, quick.
1: Special teams and and as a receiver, and um, I think I think the key to success for Nebraska in that game, not to get too far ahead, is we're just gonna wear the same uniforms as them. <laughs> it sounds like, and then nobody will know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, they were so ugly. Um, good God, we we'll get to that later.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll have plenty of time to get
1: there. Um, um sec- secondary, sure. We, you want to talk about them? Let's let's hear it. Okay. Oh, I thought I, I was I was pitching it to you. <laughs> yeah, I want my my responses. <laughs> tell you. me about them. Okay. Um, I'm very excited to see Quentin Newsom as a as a number one on the cornerback line. Um, just because he had a very quiet, like I would never heard his name, or and if I ever did, it was always you didn't like watch a look in. <laughs> yeah, that's why. You know, he's really good at throwing water balloons. That's what I got from it. <laughs> um, no, if if I ever heard anything about him, it was like that. Hey, we're not hearing anything about him. Yeah. Like what's going on there. Um, so to see him just come out. It sounds like maybe he just fucking just went about his business. Yeah. Um, and then having Malcolm Hartzog, who is like a love him. little junkyard dog. Dude, I love that guy. Um, he's he's just he is an undersized fighter. Who, yeah. yeah he's just scrappy, and so having those as our our two corners um i feel very very comfortable there yeah um especially with you know Buford being injured in the in the um secondary and and losing farmer where you know the safety position there was a, a lot more um will just say a lot they had a lot more options about who they could yeah plug into those those top two spots um having having your corners set i think with with guys that you can really count on. Just to me, I feel good about it.
2: guys who have who've shown up for previous staffs and continue to show up. Yeah, you know they've I mean? they
1: played together, they played opposite each other before. Yeah. And so yeah.
2: I'm I'm really excited for that safety position. Uh to have Singleton come up and, and be a guy that worked his way up and then also hear that Phelan Sanford is has also, you know, made his way up to that line and earned a scully. You know, that, that that kind of development is really exciting to see, especially when you've watched for like the past two or three seasons and seen like, oh, these guys are the ones who uh, test out they have all the the best attributes but yet they're not seeing the field so those attributes aren't translating um, to the field and so yeah. it's it's just exciting to uh, uh, to see that kind of kind of come to fruition and, and see Matt Rule's developmental staff get those guys in positions where it's like hey we brought you here because by the time you were a junior we could rely on you why aren't we relying on you and now yeah. it's like okay they had a tough spring and a, and a tough fall camp Got their asses in in gear, and and they're being given a a shot uh, on Thursday night against a Big Ten West
1: rival. Yeah, they yeah they speak very highly of uh Phelan, just his his football intelligence, his his physical ability, his speed. Um, he he can play I think pretty much any any of the safety positions. They've got the rover and then and then either safety spot. So, um, he's he's listed as number two, but like he is that jack of all trades yeah. back there, and so. Um, I definitely, I, I think you're going to see a lot of him, um, even though he is second on that on that chart. So,
2: do you think at the end of practice, uh, Matt Rule hands him a lasso and makes him lasso up the team, <laughs> like at the end like, of in Mighty Ducks two practices with the <laughs> the Dwayne or Dwight character? Yeah. Do you think that that happens?
1: This <laughs> uh, had to be a Mighty Ducks reference here. It 100 was yeah. a Mighty Ducks <laughs> yeah. reference
2: where at the end of one of the practices. Oh, yeah. I'm, All right, Dwayne. Ra- you know, what did he say? Like, rope them up, and then they got to like chase them around. Like, and then they Ee-haw. play the country music, yep. and, and yeah, they're like doing line dancing thing. on
1: the. Yep. Do you think that that's that a that whole the, montage? Maybe that'll
2: be in a look in episode four.
1: Probably, <laughs> yeah. Just f- seven minutes straight. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Everyone line dancing and Phelan Sanford's rapping guys at that. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Wouldn't that be wonderful?
1: Yeah. But this will, this, so this will be. um. This would be good for, for the secondary, this matchup, because I I still firmly believe that Minnesota is going to throw the ball a whole hell of a lot more than they have in the past. Sure. I'm still I'm buying that um, 100%, despite all evidence to the contrary of everybody like from all the way up to P.J. Flex saying, no, we're going to keep doing what we do. We have a philosophy, and we're going to keep operating that way. Yeah. We know what works.
2: Weird philosophy from a former wide receiver.
1: Yeah, a former wide receiver who, who liked to throw the ball a lot – at his previous place but he's yeah. he he identified like what works in minnesota right out of the gate and and built that and continues to build it and it's and it just works yeah it works um they they know they have to throw it a little bit more to be to get over the hump because i think they see like this is our um pinnacle you know if we do it this way here this is our top so we maxed out yeah so they do have to evolve and adapt and i think they will but i i i think it's going to be i still think it's gonna be more than what most people expect because they have the tools now to do it, and they brought in a a crazy good crop of of receivers. A very
2: good. They've got a very good wide receiver room.
1: They do, and they don't have uh they don't have a bell cow at running back. Like um Sean, Sean is it Sean Tyler? Yeah. Um is a smaller smaller guy. He's not gonna be able to take forty forty take the ball forty times. Like right. he's just not. He's not gonna be a goal line back. Um. They're gonna they're gonna be rotating in a lot more backs, um, and then they've got a new quarterback who who can and, and wants to I think throw the ball and be a little more aggressive there. Who has legs underneath of him well, that most quarterbacks operate have legs. well? You know, ones that will actually run forward um, at a steady rate. Um, and so I think that they they just have the tools, and like if you have the tools, like use them, use them to yeah. your advantage. And so they can they can re- they'll rely on their. Their, you know, their, their philosophy of like pound the ball, but they're going to be much more multidimensional than they were in the past.
2: And I think, I think that might actually benefit Nebraska's defense, again, to get them early. They're in a new offense. They're not quite used to this kind of, of gameplay. And you've got an offensive line that is trying to gel. You've got a guy in Tony White who likes to dial up a bunch of different looks. When you go back and rewatch some of the older Minnesota games from last year, that offensive line got a little scrambled when you throw a stunt at them. That's how you got pressure on the quarterback. That's how pressure was put on Tanner Morgan last year is Nebraska was throwing a couple of different stunts, a couple of different looks. When you go straight at this offensive line, they've got the technique and the skill and that sort of thing. But if you can kind of scramble them, throw them off balance, that sort of thing, there tends to be a little bit more success from a defensive side of the ball. So hearing all that gives me a little more confidence that this defense might be one to to really be aggressive and attack. I'm just concerned about that run game. If they do stick to that run game, we're not putting a hat on a hat on the line are we going to be able to jam them or are they going to get a good 3 yard push every run and then it's just a matter of third and ones third and ones third and one and i just it just it it it's flashbacks man it's ptsd mm-hmm. as to like i just don't want to be sitting in these third and short situations all game and hoping on a wing and a prayer that something goes wrong on the minnesota side that we can take advantage of yeah. um so i want to see nebraska really you know put put minnesota behind the chains when it comes to uh, the kind of pressures that we're applying and try and get in that backfield and, and see, that's a big question mark, is see how stout can this defense be against the run? I'm not so much worried about it against the pass. I'm worried about going into the Big Ten West. And I know that Matt Rule wouldn't have hired a guy who can't stop the run, uh, especially going into this conference and and uh, um, and needing to, to do that in order to be successful. But
1: Unless he knew that we were going to be a West Coast team. You know, playing the say USC and Oregon every year. Oh,
2: I thought you were going to say we're going to join the Pac-12. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you to turn to the Pac-5. It's just
1: us, Oregon State and Washington State. Just the three of us. I mean, that'd be a pretty fun conference. Yeah. It'd be fun, some fun travel. You'd play everybody five times a year. <laughs> Get a true
2: champion. Eventually, Mike Riley would probably work his way back around to coaching <laughs> Ohio- Oregon State. He just coaches
1: all three teams. Yeah. It's just him coaching against himself. <laughs>
2: Uh, uh, anything else you have on nebraska's defense going against uh that uh that
1: offense out of minnesota no i just want to i honestly i just want to see chaos yeah i just want to see him just i want to see him playing loose and and hitting i want to see him hitting people yeah <laughs> i really do um that's it i'm just yeah i'm excited i'm i'm excited for um to see like what the offense looks like and how they operate but like i'm i'm fucking excited to watch this defense yeah. like just on a, just a little bit of a different level. Sure.
2: So. You just want to see what kind of, what kind of havoc they can.
1: I do. Yeah. Bring to the game. And, yeah. You know, see like what, like, a, like Ty Robinson, who is a, who is just a fucking giant, like, you know, see him, like what he can do with a motor that runs for a full game. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and guys like Isaac Gifford and, and Deshaun Singleton flying down into the box and just fucking lighting up a little five foot nine running back with a gopher on his helmet. Like. I want want to see that so bad, and we're so close. Nice. Yeah. Well, let's go from that high-high to talking about special teams.
2: Okay. (laughs) Putting them through the pipes. (laughs) Put them through the pipes. If that's not chanted after every field goal, I'm going to riot. (laughs) And my riot chant will be, put
1: it through the pipes. When an undefeated Nebraska um, hosts an undefeated Michigan and college game day is in town, that's the sign that I will bring. Put them through the pipes. Put them through the pipes.
2: <laughs> the pipes will have to look like Mario, Super Mario Brother pipes, and it'll be Mario wearing a Husker uniform, kicking the ball. And put it through the...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was trying to think, I was like, Mario, who, Mario for Deuce Go? Like, no, <laughs> no. Super Mario. Like, oh, actually, actual Mario. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: that's probably copyrighted. We're going to get sued. Uh, oh, no, shit. that's all right. Chris Pratt didn't sound like that in the movie. Um... So special teams with the oh, Any, anything come to mind with yes. uh, with special teams Yeah I'm I'm, you jump, jump, I'm jumping on this I you know normally, you're normally I'm kind of like excited oh, but like,
1: you know, like who cares about special teams All right no. well I'll just put my notebook away yeah, well, I just have—I've got one note that I like. I'm extremely excited about, and I wanted to get to it before you do because I'm sure you will. You will probably have it in your notebook. I have four pages on special teams. <laughs> <laughs> I researched
2: nothing but yeah. special teams. <laughs> just been making up everything you've said so far. I, I went to Cole's kicking camp this off season so that I could talk about no. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? They don't offer that for adults. That's I would. Sad. I'd go so hard if there was a Cole's kicking camp <laughs> for for
1: 35 year olds. You should start one. If you no. can dream it, you can do it, Ben. Okay. Yeah, you just start handing out stars willy-nilly to these kickers, just like Cole's kicking camp. <laughs> um, there's a, there's I'm pretty sure there's a player on. Yeah, one I think one of Minnesota's. I think one of Minnesota's. Maybe their punters like 35. I kid you not. Oh really? I'm not even. Yeah. There's I, hope. Yeah.
2: What if I just went to a a, a Cole's pharmacy and started kicking footballs? <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, that'd be good. I just I'll just put on a fresh pair of compression socks. Yep. <laughs> and I'm just gonna start booting them in a in a full pharmacy. Yeah, I bet that would make a look and episode yeah. four. Just you booting. It'd be on a TV in the background <laughs> that some guy got arrested yeah. at a Coles pharmacy, shouting, "Put him through the pipes." <laughs> I'd set up a bunch of walkers to turn into an, an upright field goal post.
1: Oh man. Okay. Okay, so Seriously. what's your thought on special teams? This is teams? what I'm excited about. Emmett Johnson. Yeah? As the kick returner, starting kick returner, in his home state of Minnesota. Oh, that's cool. Because he was Mr. Minnesota football or whatever, whatever yeah. that thing is. Um, he is, uh, I mean, now he's fourth on our running back depth chart, which is still, still great. Still yeah. great. Um, I'm just, I'm excited for him to have an opportunity to get to play in front of, in his home state, in yep. front of, you know, these fans, um, but, but wearing the end. Yeah. And just seeing what he can do. Um, So that's my biggest. No, that's when it comes to special teams. That's what I will be most focused on. Awesome. Yeah. There's other stuff too, but. So kind of jumping off on on that point.
2: That's my first, my first uh, comment. Not so much Emmitt specifically, but as far as Nebraska making gains and being aggressive in the return game, um, field position off punts and kickoffs has just been nothing for Nebraska. Mm. And then you go and you see friggin. Trey Palmer lighting it up in the NFL as a return man and catching the. I mean, it's like, what, uh, pull your head out of your butt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm excited to see what um, Ed put it through the pipes. Foley has has done in in you know having a spring and then a fall to work with these guys to to see how does that change and I and I think even ten yards on a return is huge. That's your first first down, man. Like that yeah. gets you from receiving the ball on the 15 to the 25 or the 25, you know, maybe even busting out a 20 yard return.
1: Why not? Why stop at 20?
2: I'm just saying like, I don't have huge goals and aspirations. <laughs> I'm just saying like, get us some movement and, and start the, the, you know, we talk about writing a lot when we're not recording. Cause that's both of ours have a, have a, a love for that and an affinity for that and, and goals in that. And we talk about like, you don't, you don't necessarily um, stop writing when you're, when you're absolutely done, you you like to have a little momentum for the next day, and and mm-hmm. same thing. That's what special teams is, right? Like that's the momentum for the offense. You start, you know, with with some rev in your engine, and if you can get the ball moving, it's like sitting down and knowing exactly what you're gonna write. This is a metaphor. I only would, for two people. I was gonna
1: say I would love to see. I would love to see Billy Kemp take a punt like thirty yards and then kneel. That you know what. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is how the metaphor works. yeah You're right. like you know what i'm gonna leave a little bit in the tank for the offense i'm,
2: I'm not i'm not so much talking about that what i'm talking about I is just having i know you know what i mean but everyone's gonna be like these fucking guys two years ago they made a, a friggin monet joke about people throwing tomato soup on paintings The if you have made it this far though
1: you might as well just keep listening yeah i mean yeah. you
2: know there's there's the insult of like calling someone an uncultured swine or like a cultured piglet like that's what that's a little piglet with the
1: monocle, <laughs> a little top hat. Oh man, we've had one uh, beer. <laughs> it was a good one. It's a very good beer. Yeah, yeah.
2: This is why you drink this after the race, not before the race. Good thing. Good thing Josh is a runner because race day IPA could have a completely different connotation.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so special teams. Um. Minnesota on the on the other side of the ball like their goal and has always just been to contain and not give up field position right they're smart when it comes to special teams in the sense that like they're going to take the touchbacks they're going to secure the ball they don't want to make mistakes on special teams and so i think this is an area where nebraska can kind of flip the field for themselves um and and be aggressive because you've got a team on the other side of the ball that's not going to try to do that it doesn't go with their mo pj fleck likes to get the ball run the ball move the ball and special teams is that kind of um, that question mark, right where you can make some big mistakes and you don't want to turn a punt into a 46 yard turnover. Um, so I think Nebraska can maybe try and get some positive momentum, take some chances here. And with a guy like Ed Foley, who has coached some teams to some serious success on special teams, like I want to see that, uh, that happen. The other thing that I have is just is, is uh, putting it through the pipes is there's still some question marks between uh, uh, Tristan and, and Timmy. Yeah. And uh, and and I hope that that gets sorted out. I I like I like how Ed Foley practices when it comes to special teams, when it comes to field goals. He'll tell the guys like you're not being evaluated right now. Like I want you to take this section to work on your craft. Um, So, you know, these 10 kicks, I'm not looking at these as are you going to start or aren't you? I want you to focus on the things you're trying to focus on. If it's, Hmm. you know, coming from the right side, hitting left or left and going right or down, whatever that happens to be. No evaluation here. And then he says, okay, these are the five competition balls. Like, these are the five that matters. And I kind of like that, that mindset where you're not always and constantly being evaluated, that you have an opportunity to practice uh, without being concerned about, like, is this shit? You know, I missed 10 today because I was trying a kick I haven't tried before. Right. So that's yeah. where I, what I have well, on special teams. I like that too. Yeah. Um,
1: I think that uh, as far as a kicker competition goes, I was listening to... Um, Matt Rule's press conference, um, like the end of end of fall camp, beginning of the uh game week. And he was talking about kickers and he did like casually throw out I don't even remember the question. He, he just, threw out the Tristan out kicking with the ones. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, oh like okay. Like maybe that's maybe that's where it's leaning, but but then again he also says no it's still like a, a healthy competition that yeah. either way, man, like Good for us. We've got two. We got two kickers that two. I feel very comfortable, <laughs> very comfortable with. Um, whoever you, they end up going with. Remember that season where we had none? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember, like, I, I think I gave a standing ovation to. Uh, was it Lane McCollum? The walk off. The walk. Yeah. The walk off kick, kick
2: for uh, North against Northwestern. One of the
1: ugliest looking kicks, but it counted. Hey. Put them through the pipes. No pictures on the scorecard. Yeah. <laughs>
2: As they say in golf. So if it goes yeah. through, it goes through, man. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, that was a, it'll it'll be nice to have a guy that no matter who it is, we can count on. So. Very
2: nice. Well, that's a pretty damn good look forward to this game. Yeah, I, we I, did
1: great. Good job. We did Good job, I, us. Listen, listen to this.
2: It's not that's what me. you think that's it is. <laughs> no, it's me patting myself on the back. Yeah. Got a little skin on my neck, though. I, I meant to just get all shirt. Got a little skin. Got a little weird there. I think we need to uh, grab a beer from Minnesota, raise a sportsman sip uh, in, their, in their honor, do the respectful thing, keep it classy, and then and I think then we dis- need to-
1: disrespect them in our predictions. You betcha. Hell yeah. All right. So
2: for you, that was a quick little musical transition. But for us, it was too long of a break where Drew explained to me the rules of playoff baseball and the way that that's all structured and you man can, was that fun you can
1: hear that on my other podcast every episode is seven hours
2: long <laughs> and it's just you explaining the importance of the wild card that's it every every single episode yeah yeah, yeah. and that's called
1: and i never lose my enthusiasm it's for called it. the
2: wild card <laughs> and it's just drew talking against a wall a big green one in the outfield Hey, you know baseball? Yeah, I know about the Green Monster. Okay. Who doesn't know about the Green Monster? Uh. Kids? Yeah, will, that, they probably know about a different Green Monster that's like hiding yeah. under oh. their bed. Yeah. For all you kids listening, there's monsters under your
1: bed. <laughs> Dude, my kids listen to this. Okay, well. God damn it. Now you, I'm going to have to Now I'm going to start another podcast in which I explain <laughs> There's no Green <laughs> there's Monster. No monsters, yeah. <laughs> it's the only time they listen to me.
2: There's going to be a lot of angry Boston fans who are like, "What do you mean there's no Green Monster?" <laughs> so for those of you who are new to the podcast uh what drew and i like to do around here whenever we're playing a uh, a team on the road we like to drink a beer that is local to that university and today we are drinking a beer from minneapolis minnesota from fair state brewing co-op um this is a Pils, and that's all it says i mean it's a german traditional american style pilsner um the can is wonderful it looks like it's a a uh, miller high life but in green and, and white and red yeah uh, and then there's a little thing that runs along the line that says the fancy beer that fine folks choose i love that it it looks yeah. like a hams it looks like a beer that you would find at a state fair 400 years ago like it is <laughs> it is an old school beer and it drinks like it i mean it drinks like a beer that would be in a can that just says beer
1: mm-hmm.
2: so thoughts on the beer drew i think th- i think you kind of
1: summed that up perfectly um it is. It's a beer. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's good. It's good. It's, it's, it's very snappy. Good it's it's dry for you know. Um, you had mentioned that it drinks like an ale. That wasn't my first impression. Like it's very clearly like a pills like Logner or Logner Lager to me. But um, but it is. There's something that is different about it, and I think you you will describe it way better than I will. Well, I mean, it it, it drinks like a, a beer. There's a
2: little bit of extra bitterness to it that that reminds me of a pale ale. But yeah. there's just a little bit more something going on, but it, it's, it's a, it's a craft breweries version of beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's that plain and simple beer. That's an easy drinker. This is, this is a game day beer. This is a tailgating beer. This is one where when you go to the brewery and you're, you're with your mother-in-law and she's like, I don't drink craft beer. And they say, well, what should I drink? Well, what do you normally drink? I drink Coors Light, Miller Light. Just one of the, well, this is the beer to get then. Give that a try because it has a lot of those familiar profiles and it's just slightly elevated with the quality of product they use.
1: Yeah, it's it, yeah, it goes well beyond like just like the American light lager. Right. For sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just good. It's just a good it's beer, good. man. Yeah. So there you go. Fair State Brewing
2: Co-op. I saw the co-op and I thought farmer. So then I figured, you know, we should probably give that a go because yeah. we are farmers.
1: Yeah, because I know how to pronounce things like agronomy. <laughs>
2: and and Logner Logner you know
1: that's a pilsner and a logner mashed together a
2: pilsner and a logner <laughs> mashed together I, did it Lough- again. Yeah. I was going to say that oh, it's I uh, can't can't escape um, my own yeah what was the what was the brewmaster's favorite composer Logner <laughs> <laughs> instead of Wagner oh
1: yeah we are. yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah okay yeah. okay no know. we know our Wagner oh man fun fact about him no not going to there not going to go there <laughs> 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 All right, not a
0: good guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did not oh see that Lord. joke coming.
2: Did you, did you hear what I said? I said I did not see that joke oh. coming. <laughs> that
1: was very cleverly disguised. That was well done. Thank you. Yeah, too well done. Some would say. All right, and that's okay. the sportsmanship. <laughs> Cheers
2: to Minnesota! Uh, cheers to everyone traveling up to Minnesota. We always like to say drink local. So while you're up in Minnesota, try and find some uh, some awesome beers while you're up there. Um, some of them may be supporting uh, athletics for for students that are up there. So, those so be are always, careful to avoid <laughs> avoid those. Yeah, we don't want Dolls. Minnesota getting a dollar. Yeah, from nil, <laughs> not a single dollar. But there's some there's there's plenty of good beer to be had uh, while you're up in Minneapolis. So please enjoy responsibly and have a lot of fun at that game. Uh, the more beer you drink, the louder you cheer for Nebraska. So, keep that going. Oh, that's that's why it. That's how it works. That is how it works. Oh, okay. Yeah, you'll be in the urinal screaming. It's not my the, fault. It's a beer screaming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Go man! <beer."> Cheering <laughs> through the walls.
2: <laughs> oh, and if you're new here, the last thing that we like to do on these episodes when we are previewing a game is we like to share our predictions. Emphasis on the dicks. We are just dicks when we share these predictions. No, we like to have uh try to be nice. You know, That's we like to bad. have fun around here. <laughs> we are one beer and like three sips in. And man, are we this is just and what I college had, football like, feels like. It's this is the excitement of it. I'm just so giddy.
1: Yeah. I'm not I, I had a big lunch. Like I am what'd you have? I'm okay. Um I had a big old sandwich on a hoagie bun. Ooh. I didn't do like the typical like, you know, square bread that you normally yeah, get. Yeah. 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 Sliced bread. I believe they call it. (laughs) No Wonder Bread in this joint. Well, actually, no, these were Wonder Bread hoagies. Normally, we get Rotellas. I love Rotellas, but um, we had, yeah, Wonder Bread. They were like hoagies with like the sesame seed on top. Um, So I slapped on some turkey and some ham and some Swiss and some mustard. And then I had the option to go with lettuce and tomato, and I chose not to because I was too lazy to slice and all that.
2: Well, also, tomato is a garbage food. I hate tomatoes. What? I hate tomatoes.
1: Like in everything? No, think I about, mean, like I like it's ketchup. So versatile. And
2: I like marinara sauce. Ew, ketchup's gross. Ketchup's okay. the
1: worst thing you can do to a tomato. No,
2: the worst thing you can do to a tomato is eat a tomato raw. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst. Tomatoes, okay, I used to work at a burger joint,
1: uh-huh. and
2: um, I would have to slice tomatoes. And if they had like a little nasty spot on them, they are like, no, just use the core divide, and like core that out, and then slice them and serve them. And it was like, yeah. absolutely not. I hate I hate the smell of a tomato. It smells like hot grass. I I hate the, the the juicy moistness of a tomato. Like they're just like this watery, pulpy mess. Their seeds are dumb. I hate I hate the <laughs> I hate the like cellular structure of the way that they look I just hate tomatoes, man. Wow. Okay. I, I cannot I cannot eat a tomato by itself. That's I can amazing. eat a sun dried tomato and I can eat tomato in like queso, but if you put a slice of tomato on what? something, that something is ruined. What? I hate tomatoes wow. so I'm glad that your little dagwood that you made over there had no <laughs> sliced tomato on it.
1: You're glad that, yeah, because you would have had to not be able to enjoy that because of how much you hate. When tomatoes. I made so a picture, you,
2: yeah. When I made a picture of that in my head, I would be like, oh, that's, "That's how much you hate tomatoes." I hate tomatoes so much. Huh? I hate tomatoes. If anyone out there <laughs> listening,
1: there's an, there's an edge in aggression. You know what here. I? You
2: know what I also can't do? I can't do Bloody Marys. I can't do tomato juice. Well,
1: yeah, Bloody Marys are disgusting.
2: I wouldn't know because I would never touch one. Yeah. Yeah. But like. When my wife orders one for like brunch, I make this face. (laughs) (laughs) I'm (laughs) just disgusted.
1: Yeah. Bloody Marys are gross. That's why you put some shit on top of them to like hide how bad they are. Yeah. But then they throw like, they throw
2: more things that I hate. It's like pickles and stuff like that. You hate pickles? No, I hate people. Fuck off. No, listen. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't hate pickles. What I hate is people who think that pickle juice is a drink. I can't like pickle beers. I mean, technically, it is. No, it's not. It's a brine. You it's can a, drink it though. It, well, you can drink a lot of things that aren't drinks. <laughs> Motor oil. You can, yeah, you can drink antifreeze, but it's not good for you. Like, doesn't mean it doesn't taste good. It's, I don't I wouldn't know. I mean, it looks like it looks yeah. like blue Powerade. Fucking but.
1: dip a tomato in it.
2: Oh. Mm. <laughs> okay. Bring it over. Anyway, so we like to do predictions around here. Did
1: you have anything else with your sandwich? Was it just a sandwich? Did you have some chips, or had, did you have? I had um, some Doritos, but I did, I, did, I regretted that. I like Doritos. I don't know yeah. why, but like afterwards, I was just like, I wish I had not had Doritos. What's
2: yeah. what's what's your favorite chip?
1: I like a little cracked black pepper and salt kettle cooked like the yeah. extra crunchy yeah um, Cape Cod is my favorite. Okay, yeah, that's a good chip yeah just it's not it's it's pretty plain
2: very complimentary though like it's not gonna overrun your sandwich exactly which
1: is exactly what a chip should
2: be a chip should not be the star of the show unless it is a cheddar and sour cream
1: (laughs) ruffle which is (laughs) god's gift to man
2: (laughs) oh Um, i love those chips
1: yeah yeah those are my faves they're they're fine but they're just like they're they're blasted with so much like artificial color like okay you were just talking about drinking motor oil. <laughs> I let me have my <laughs> chips. God, oh, you're man. so fucking uppity. <laughs> you're allowed to. don't you go to, eat your sliced tomato <laughs> and. Fucking. You're allowed to enjoy whatever you enjoy, like food wise. If you if it agrees with you and you agree with it, then cool. If not, then that's fine too. I'm just I'm just amazed oh by my your god. Get off your high fucking horse. <laughs> I'm man. not. I'm amazed by your. Um, how much you dislike tomato i just i don't know i just really hate tomatoes man. <laughs> we know. i know i'm surprised by that i never knew that
2: that's it i didn't <laughs> think someone like you would be afraid of any food yeah okay we get it i can i can read between the lines here <laughs> oh man okay all right we gotta move on yeah so we like to do predictions here uh and uh and you know whether or not they come true or not that's that's not our
1: fault so just don't listen back after the game and you'll never know. Yeah. You want to go first? Or you want to go second? I'll go first. Okay. Okay. I'm yeah. not excited. I'm not. I mean, I'm excited about my, but like,
2: you didn't ask me what I had for lunch, but that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> read your prediction. <laughs> not a tomato. I know that. I did have pizza, which had tomato on it. Yeah. Which is, but
1: we're not going to, I'm not going to get into this again. <laughs> no, get into okay. it. Let's, no. <laughs> All right. Here we go. This here is what up, the people came for. <laughs> Oh, man. Week one of the college football season always brings with it so many questions for fans, coaches, and players alike, and this year is no different. For me, it's hard to even know where to start. How will Nebraska's new defense look against a traditional Big Ten offense? Can Jeff Sims provide consistency at the quarterback position? Will the offensive line improve in their second year under Donovan Rayola? What will the collective climax of the state of Nebraska sound like after the first fullback trap? Did Athan's parents know he wasn't good enough for the end from the moment he was born, or why else would they name him that? It's very good. How many times will fifty thousand fans have to applaud PJ before we can start the damn game? Our restlessness over these pressing concerns crescendos as we approach kickoff. The fact that at least some answers will be provided in only a matter of days has me on edge in the best way possible. I was in the stadium when Riley lost his debut on a hail mary against BYU. I was in the stadium with you, actually, when yeah. Frost lost his debut to Mother Nature against all odds. I'll be on my couch for this one, and I'll be damned if that doesn't tip the scales in our favor. Give me a defensive battle with some offensive growing pains from both teams. Nebraska finishes plus one in the turnover margin, and it's an elite start to the season as the good guys win 17-10. to
2: 10. Ooh, 17-10. to 10. Low, low scoring. Oh. Wow. That, that, uh, that Ethan kind of <laughs> was very good. Thank you. Yeah. That was, I giggled at that one when I thought of it, man, you should have. Yeah. So I, I like that. Thanks. I like that prediction.
1: Yeah. I th- I really, I think it'll be low scoring. Um, I think that again, both offenses are going to be kind of feeling their way through it with defenses that are either, um, very set in their scheme or, have a lot of um, very talented individual players who are going to be cut loose, and so I think that's going to just add to that sort of like turmoil and chaos, um, and and both teams are going to want to possess the ball on offense anyway. So I think that's going to drive the, the point total down. So it'll be real
2: nice too if that happens to not be zero and one in the Big Ten. In your first week, and instead be one and zero.
1: That would be great too. One Wouldn't and zero with yeah. a little one and zero in parentheses. Yep. and yeah. then to go,
2: and then to go, you know,
1: against a Colorado team that just got throttled by TCU. Yeah, I Can't mean, wait. One can only hope. Right, we, it's beyond hope at this point. It's going to happen.
2: All right, so here we go. We hear so often about storybook endings. Some of us, as recently as last year's Georgia Southern blunder, were hoping such an ending would befall Scott Frost. But perhaps we're focused too heavy on the ending and not the beginning. Instead of jumping to the end, we sit patiently in the first act, learning to love our main characters and seeing what this story is about. I'm not concerned right now with the ending, not when there's a fairy tale beginning right in front of us. Once upon a time, PJ Fleck ran out of a tunnel, followed by his team of elite ground rats. (laughs) A brave troop of Cornhuskers stood across a vast hundred-yard battlefield and took aim although the northern rodents were fierce the huskers of corn were ready with their armor on the strong men known by the likes of gabe of the Irvins, <laughs> jeff of the sims thomas of the fedonies and sir nate of the Borkirkers <laughs> trampled the hideous varmints just as the wicked fleck mounted his comeback a polar bear a former bulldog and a chief from the everglades <laughs> rose up and delivered the final blows it was an honorable battle and earned those in red a newfound respect. But there was no happy ending. Not yet. Even though the battle was over, the war had just begun. It was too soon to know if the Big Ten would be under a new rule. But it sure was a lovely way to start. Nebraska 23, Minnesota 17.
0: Wow.
1: So C.S. Lewis
2: over here. Damn. That's, that's how I feel. I'm kind of in the same mm-hmm. boat. I think it's going to be a, a touchdown decided game. You know, six points, seven um, points. There's going to be a couple field goals made on both sides, maybe some field goals missed on both sides. But I think it's going to be a low score um, at at forty. I would still probably hit the under. Yeah. you know, I I came right at forty, but um, I th-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think if anybody reaches forty, they'll be coming in this game.
2: <laughs> I just mean the wow. points. So I mean, um, so I do think it's going to be a uh, a really close one. I think it's going to be a good one. You know, I think it's yeah. going to be one of those games where we look at and we go, "Man, that really kind of set the the tempo for the kind of team this is going to be for the rest of the year that they can they can finally win the hard-fought ones." Um, and as much as we clown on on PJ Fleck both as a fan base and just the two of us, um he is someone who has earned respect in the way that he's shaped this program around. And uh and yeah, a win here I think would be some incredible momentum going into the season. I think I think this is this is more than just a single game measuring stick, I think if you have success against Minnesota, it gives me confidence for us to get to that six or seven wins that we've so desperately needed, and I and I think that has to start um, week one, and then week two becomes a lot less desperate.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Desperate seems like a a, a big word, but I'm not gonna. We're not, I don't want to argue semantics. No, we I, already got into it over tomatoes. No, so. no, no, no. I don't. I don't. I'm
2: not gonna argue the semantics on it. I, I. I I just want to explain myself that I don't think that all hope is lost if there's a loss in week one. Mm-hmm. What what I mean by that is the the road to six becomes a lot more questionable with a loss against Minnesota. Right. I think a win against Minnesota and you think, okay, there's going to be some teams that normally we would maybe drop one to that we might be able to win, but there's still, it's okay if we, if we falter in a game that we should have walked away with. Yeah. So I, I think there's just less of that question mark and we might be more of a Team given the benefit of the doubt, uh here and there, yeah. And I think a win against Minnesota does
1: that. Yeah, yeah, with with yeah, with context to kind of like color in, like how did we win? How did we look? How did they look? That sort of thing. Yes. Um. Yeah it's 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 a it's good for in this in that sense and that like if you if you walk out of there with a win, like Nebraska can the players can feel very good in in that you know all the, everything that Rule preached in the off season coming to fruition, Luke Reimer called, called the game. And I'm sure that this is the first time I, I've heard him, anybody say it, probably not the first time they have said it, but they called the game game day is like a celebration of the the work that you put in or the celebration of the practices. Um, If they can walk out of there, like celebrating a win um, and being rewarded for following along, I think that's, that's huge. And that's, in a way that you you don't get that by beating Nichols State Week One, right? You you know you, you beat a conference opponent, a, a an opponent within your division that um, is very well established in like who they are, like they're they're of all the teams in the West outside of maybe Iowa, right? They're they're the team that they know who they are and they've been doing this for a long time, and so if you can topple them in Week One, just as you're you know just as you're implementing a new regime. Um it just yeah, it's all that more important, I think, and special and rewarding, so cool, yeah, well, let's do that then, okay, yeah, all sounds right. like a good idea, all right.
2: Yeah. Well, that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate
1: your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at wannabewalk-ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part.
2: Drink local beer wherever you are. You can find more information on Monolithic Brewing Company by visiting their tap room in Omaha or their website at monolithicbrewing.com. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation.
1: Thanks again for listening. Join us next week as we recap the Minnesota win, sample another Nebraska brewery, and preview Nebraska's showdown with the Colorado Buffaloes. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. I can't believe you called that shot. (laughs) Drink Big
2: Red. at Sports Network Production.